the, the title that probably most of us would place over ourselves and most of those who are watching online would place over themselves would be the title of Christian. This title was actually given to us by non-Christians in a city of Antioch back in the first century. As people observed these Christians, as people observed these followers of Jesus, they noticed that there was something extremely different about them. I imagine in my mind's eye too, Antiochans walking down the road and they see a mass of people huddled together and a couple people talking and teaching. And, and one of the individuals says to the other, who are those people? And, and the person looks over and without being able to hear them, recognizes them and says, oh, those are the people that are always talking about Christos. Those are the Christ people. Those are the Christians. It was a title that was given to us by folk that observed and saw that these people were different than others. But it probably doesn't mean, that title probably doesn't mean the same thing to non-Christians now as it did back then. And it probably doesn't even mean the same thing to us as Christians as it did to the Christians back then, which is why in 2022, I'd rather be known as a disciple of Jesus than as a Christian. Now that might sound a little heretical to you, so let me, let me unpack that for you. As I said, the name Christian was given in Antioch to followers of Christ. It was probably a term initially of derision. Uh, if you've gone to some football games or some major sporting event, I think the the, the, the football, European football, soccer fans are even more so, maybe somewhat this way. You, you've seen people painted, their entire bodies painted. I've seen people in Green Bay, Wisconsin in winter, painted half green and half yellow, no shirt on. People have crazy hair and they're wearing weird outfits and they're, they're going, and, and we would look at those people and go, man, these people are really fanatics. They are obsessed with this team. That's probably how the Christian term came about. They would look at these people and they'd say, these people, these people are always talking about Christos. They are real fanatics. These are Christians. These are Christians. It was a, it was a term of derision. But, but the Christians took this title of mockery and by the way they lived and by the service that they provided to the community, by the persecution that they endured, by by the way they did not ridicule those who ridiculed them, by the kindness they showed to those who, who persecuted them, by the way they loved one another and cared for one another, by the one that they could not stop talking about, Christ, they turned this name of derision. Who are these fanatics? Who are these people? These Jesus people, these Christ people, into a term of amazement. Who are these Christians? And by the way, how can I join them? How can I be like them? They took this name of derision and it went from one of mockery to a title of respect and admiration and even wonder, and even wonder. But Christian doesn't mean that anymore. 
at least not here in the United States of America, not in our part of the world. For many outside of our faith, Christian is once again more of a derogatory term. It's more associated with certain political views, with with certain political positions. It's, It's more associated with exclusivity. Rarely would you hear anyone say, oh, they must be a Christian because all they ever do is talk about Christ. Do you hear that around your workplace? Oh man, they must be a Christian. All these people, all they ever do is talk about Christ. Even amongst our own, even amongst our own, people that are, would label themselves as Christians, Christian does not mean the same thing. In the most recent census in 2020, 63% of the citizens in the United States placed over their own heads the the title, the moniker, Christian. Now, now that means that if somehow everybody in the world, everybody in in the country could hear my voice, that 210 million people, if you were to ask, raise your hand if you're a Christian, 210 million people would raise their hands. Well, we look around and we would say, is that really the number of Christians that are out there? Well, in our day and age, Christian has come to mean, even amongst Christian people, this. It's come to mean, well, I believe in a Jesus, whatever that means. It doesn't necessarily mean that that Jesus is aligned with the Jesus of this book. I, I, I may occasionally go to church. I'm at least a uh, Easter, Christmas, and now Mother's Day. It's also the other, those are the three most attended church days in the Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day. I'm at least an Easter, Christmas attender. I, I try to be a good person. I was talking to a member here today, uh, just this morning, who is doing Bible studies, and, and he asked another individual uh, if they wanted to do Bible studies with him who was overhearing his conversation with these other folks. And this lady said, I believe in God, but I don't go to church and I don't want anything to do with any of the rest of it. That's, that's a Christian now, though. Says, well, I believe something, and, and so therefore I am a Christian. 210 million people would raise their hands. If non-Christians don't understand that Christians are people that are obsessed with Jesus, but obsessed with all kinds of other things, then then I don't want to be known as a Christian. And if Christians even see the standard of being a Christian as someone who simply believes in something at least, and occasionally goes to church and tries not to be bad, maybe even is a good person, if that's the standard of Christianity, then I don't want to be known as a Christian by that standard either. I'd rather have the moniker that Jesus gave us, which is the term disciple. You know, the the term Christian actually only appears three times in all the Bible. And twice, it is in the context of outsiders speaking it. Only once is it mentioned as a Christian defining themselves in that way. But the term disciple is all over the Bible. So what is a disciple? Well, Well, Jesus summarized it best this way in Luke chapter six and verse 40. Luke chapter six and verse 40, Jesus said this, a disciple, when he or we would add she, is fully trained, will be like the teacher. A disciple will be like the teacher. So in other words, a true disciple of Jesus is a person that is like Jesus. Well, shouldn't Christians and disciples be one and the same? They should be, and they once were, but the truth is they are no longer. Listen to just a few of these things. I'm just going to share with you three, three aspects of, 
what the Bible teaches about followers of Jesus. Just three things, three, three levels of things. There's many, many, many we could explore, but three of them. And, and analyze yourself, not anybody else. Just analyze yourself. I'll analyze my own heart. You analyze your own heart. Analyze yourself and, and, and see if your Christianity is closer to the standard of the world. I believe in Jesus and I occasionally go to church and I try to be a good person. Or if you're disciple, if you are a disciple, the way that Jesus described it, a true Christian, just based on these three things. The first one is this, a disciple, according to Jesus and written in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 is someone that loves the Lord, their God with all their heart, with all their soul and with all their mind. What does that mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? It, it means this. It means that every aspect of your life is worship. You see, true disciples of Jesus in, in the first century would not raise their hand because they occasionally go to an event that we've defined as worship. They would raise their hand because they see every aspect of their life as being Worship. They, they, would, they would affirm what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Present your entire life is what Paul is saying as a living sacrifice. And this is worship. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. What does that mean to you? Well, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in God. Okay, well, even the devil and his angels believe. Okay, well, I occasionally go to this place called a church or an event. Okay, well, that's, that's just an event. That's not necessarily a worship. Okay, I try to be a good person. Okay, well, that's not quite a lot of people. Even the heathens try to be good people sometimes. No, the, the disciples of Jesus will raise their hand and say, all of my life, is an act of worship for Jesus Christ. Every single thing that I do. As Rick Warren said, when you use your life for God's glory, everything you do becomes an act of worship. The text in Matthew chapter 22 then goes on, continues, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. So we love God with everything that we have and everything in our life demonstrates that love for God. This is what a true disciple looks like. And, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus told a story, and many of you are familiar with it. Jesus told a story, and the question was asked, who is my neighbor? And in the story, Jesus told about a man who was beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road, and a, and a few people passed by and looked over at him but did not help him. And then an individual came and helped this man. And, and people were caught off guard by this because this individual was in every way, nationally, geographically, uh, societally, uh, ethnically, this man's enemy. But this is the man that helped him. And at the end of the story, Jesus asked this question, who was this man's true neighbor? And they say, of course, the one who helped him. And the point of the story is this. Jesus is basically saying, everybody for the Christian is your neighbor. So when the Bible says you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, it's saying basically you love everybody as you would your own self. You love everyone as you would your own self. 
Now, to, to put this into some sort of context to our, our current culture, Jesus would tell some of us to the degree we value and love President Donald Trump is the degree that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ. And he would tell others of us to the degree that you value and love Vice President Kamala Harris, and I use her over Biden because in some of the conversations, she seems to be more of a lightning rod than the current president. To the degree that you love and value Vice President Kamala Harris is the degree that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, some just couldn't get beyond this idea of, of, of everybody as our neighbors, and we still would have to see people as enemies. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, tells us this. Disciples love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them and pray for those who persecute them. So you may say, I just can't get past this person's my enemy. Okay, well then Jesus says for you, the disciple loves their enemies and prays for those who persecute them. So being a disciple of Jesus means that I pray for President Trump and I pray for Vice President Harris or whoever may be your boogeyman out there or boogie woman with hearts of love. But let me bring it even closer, not, not going with the people that the media either tries to get us to love or to hate, whatever side it may be. Let's go a little bit closer and let's think about what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 35, where he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. The person that you like least in this church right now, not that's maybe in this room, so don't look around or anything like that. But just in general, the person that you like least, those of you online, the person that you like least that is a part of this community, and to the young people that are over here, the person you like least at your school, the manner in which you love them is the manner in which you love Jesus and are a disciple of Jesus. The manner in which you, you treat them is the manner in which you treat Jesus. If you think you're holding someone accountable by your anger, by your judgment, by your gossip, by, by your arguments on Facebook or online or whatever it may be, you are to that extent living on behalf of Satan against Jesus. Against Jesus. By this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Doesn't mean we like everything everyone does, but we have love, sincere Christian love. Y'all, we haven't even gotten past the word love yet. And I'm already seeing a huge difference in the standard of what a Christian is in our modern culture. I believe in a person named Jesus. I go to church occasionally. I try to be a good person. Therefore, when the census asks me, are you a Christian? I will say yes. And what the scriptures describe as a true disciple of Jesus. And this is just the first point. If we move from the great commandment to the great commission, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19 and 20, that disciples go and make other disciples, just beginning in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let me share with you the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrased this, and I love the way he put this. Jesus gave his charge, 
God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this. And then I love this, how he renders this. Day after day after day after day to the end of the age. Day after day after day. Remember those Christians in Antioch? Who are these people? Oh, these are the people that always are talking about Christos. These are the Christ people. These are the Christians. You will never, hear this, you will never make another disciple for Jesus unless you are talking about Jesus. Never. And disciples of Jesus, according to the Bible, according to the scriptures, make other disciples of Jesus by talking about Jesus a lot. If you want to see a good example of this, follow a guy by the name of Dan Cerns, S-E-R-N-S on Instagram. I was talking to Dan the other day and he was telling me a story about his latest Bible study. He's always posting pictures of people that he's met all these various places. That's why I say you can follow him on Instagram because almost every story is about him talking to someone about Jesus. But I was talking to him the other day and he was telling me about a new Bible study he and his wife uh, just started. And, and they were at some place and, and they saw this lady simply standing alone, no one else really engaging with her. So they walked, his wife walked up to her and began talking with her. And by the end of the discussion, they had agreed to get together and start studying the Bible to learn more about Jesus. And, and Dan had posted online the first picture of their first study together. And he was telling me how that study came about. His wife just saw someone standing alone, went up to her and started talking to her about Jesus. And now they have a Bible study. Now it's not always that easy. It's not always that easy. But let me tell you something. It's never that easy if you never or rarely talk about Jesus. You hear me? It's not always that easy, but it's never that easy if you rarely or never talk about Jesus. Day after day, talking about Jesus, making other disciples. The Christian standard. I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Well, I believe... I go to church occasionally, maybe not at all, but I still believe and I try to be a good person. The Bible, you love Jesus with everything you have and every aspect of your life is for him. You love others the way you love yourself and that includes those you don't like very much. You are always talking about Jesus because you're always looking to make disciples. And then the third aspect of being a disciple that I want us to remind us of and compare our own lives to that of the Christian standard. Disciples of Jesus sacrifice everything. In other words, Jesus is the highest priority of all things. Nothing is above or more important than Jesus and nothing slows them because they are focused on Jesus above all things. One verse from Jesus, Luke chapter 14 and verse 33. Jesus said, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's a strong word. We can share it in different wordings. If those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Was Jesus saying we all have to give up everything? 
No, because we see examples in the Bible where Jesus allowed people to keep things and examples in the Bible where Jesus did ask people to give up everything. I don't know what it is for every one of you. So, so I think maybe the best way to render this text or to understand this text is this. Disciples are willing to give up everything, willing to give up everything, everything, power, money, reputation, family, friends, a job, comfort, whatever it may be for Jesus. Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people or property, and you're not willing to kiss it goodbye, if the Lord asks, then you can't be my disciple, Jesus is saying. That's a high standard. That's a lot higher standard than I occasionally give an hour of time to something. It's a much higher standard. It's a priority of above all things. Y'all, we could keep going, but I'm going to stop there because I think that's enough conviction just for me to analyze my own life and recognize that my, even my standard of Christianity is closer to the world than it is to what the Bible lays down. I hope, like me, that your hearts are convicted, realizing that most of us are are closer to the census qualifications for a Christian than this book, census. But if your heart is convicted, I don't want to leave you there because if you're convicted, I want you to know that there is a very simple way to begin to be a disciple of Jesus. Because the thing is, is we could leave you with that conviction and you could go out and you could say, okay, I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to try to do everything. This year I decided I'm not going to do any New Year's resolutions. You know why? Because I always fail. Do any of you, have any of you made it through an entire year and never once faltered on a resolution? Anyone? I just want to know because I want to like pick your brain on how you're awesome. I mean, I've, done, I've achieved some cool things in my life, but, but it's never been based off a of New Year's resolution. But, but what I know about myself is, is, is I can't be a disciple of Jesus. I can't be a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus on my own. So I think of some other words of Jesus. And this is where I know to begin being a disciple of Jesus. It's based off of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. It's an invitation from Jesus. This is a disciple text. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe for you this week, just begin meditating and thinking and praying on that text and analyzing your life in the context of that text. I cannot, you cannot love like a disciple of Jesus unless you have come to him, unless you've accepted this invitation and received his love. I don't love my neighbors as myself. I don't love one another the way I should unless I've received that love of Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus unless you've come to him and learned from him and learned what to talk about and spent time with him, learning at his feet, and then he helps you to know what to say and how to say it. You can't give up everything and make Jesus your highest priority unless you've come to learn that true rest and true peace and the true yoke of Jesus is enough in your life. Y'all, we can't be disciples of Jesus 
without coming to Jesus daily and surrendering all to him. Only then, only then will we leave behind the Christianity of this age and become disciples, true disciples of Jesus. I want to invite you to that. And I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And I'm going to pray for those who are satisfied with the standard of Christianity for this world because it is a false religion and it will lead you nowhere. And I'm going to pray for those of us who are convicted to, to in this year to surrender, to receive Jesus's invitation and surrender everything to him. Because guess what? It's not easy. It means we are different than this world. It means that we surrender uh, sometimes our own possessions. It means we surrender some of our own plans. You know what may, it's even harder is that it means that we have to surrender ourselves, our own selfishness. The biggest problem to me being a disciple of Jesus is me, by the way, not anyone else. It's me. So I'm going to pray for both of those. Because one leads to nowhere and the other is tough. But with Jesus, it is possible. I also want to let you know that in your bulletin, there's some books. There's some books. I've read all of them. They're books about being a disciple of Jesus. And I encourage you to pick one or two of those up and, and read them. Maybe that's a blessing for you this year. And most of all, open this book this year. Start reading what Jesus is about. And next week, come back. We're going to have a sermon entitled Say Hello. We're going to start talking weekly about little things we can do to be disciples of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this group that's here this morning. I thank you for those who have joined us online. I thank you for those who will watch this at a later point in time and hear this prayer. Lord, there's many of us that, that live our lives closer to the standard of this world's Christianity than to the standard of, of your word. Lord, forgive us for that. And thank you for your patience with us. Lord, I pray that if there's some here that are content with that standard of Christianity, that you will convict their hearts because, because that standard is a empty and a false religion. Just because it bears the name Christian does not mean that it truly is leading down the path of righteousness for your namesake. So Lord, help us. Help us to be convicted to surrender all and not to be satisfied with this world's standards. Lord, I pray for those of us that are convicted that you will help us to recognize that we are not able to do this and that we also will surrender our lives so that we don't try to take over and do the work ourselves, which is just going to end up like most resolutions do in disaster. So Lord, today, may each one of us receive the invitation that you give to us to come to you to surrender to you, to say, Lord, here's my life. Teach me what you need me to know. Give me the peace that I cannot give to myself. And Lord, help us to be true disciples. I thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.